And now, Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. This is BC Food and Wine Radio, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. Now, here's Anthony and Casey. Hello, everyone. Welcome to today's show. I'm Tony Gismondi with Casey Wilson on today's show. Guess what? We're home for the holidays with you. Uh, we say Happy New Year to kick off uh, 2020, but we pick some of our uh, favorite discussions uh, from recent interviews here on the show uh, that we thought you might enjoy today, maybe with a glass of wine, uh, I don't know, uh, a cookie, a piece of cake, some uh, leftover turkey. Who knows what you have hanging around the house uh, but we're happy to share the next hour with you. Francois Metton of Chateau Minuti joins us to talk about uh, one of Casey's favorite subjects. That's rosé. Uh, we'll also chat with Austin Hope of Hope Family Wines. Uh, he figures from Paso Robles way down the coast, uh, midway between uh, San Francisco and Los Angeles. Uh, and then we're going to have lots of laughs with Gina Gallo and Jean-Charles Boisset from uh, Napa Valley, Sonoma Valley. And up next, uh, you know these folks from the Food Network, husband and wife team Anna and Michael Olson. We'll talk about Michael's latest cookbook called Living High Off the Hog next on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Happy New Year, everyone. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save on Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards. Plus, there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save on Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. Explore Vancouver's exceptional culinary scene with the Weston Bayshore Vancouver at Dine Out Vancouver 2020. During your stay, enjoy a three-course meal for just $35 at H2 Rotisserie and Bar and H Tasting Lounge, the Weston Bayshore's outstanding pair of restaurants. And as an exclusive Dine Out bonus, get room-only deals, including dinner for two at H2 Rotisserie and Bar and H Tasting Lounge. Dine Out Vancouver 2020 with the Weston Bayshore Vancouver. Take advantage of special pricing at dineoutvancouver.com hotel. Come and get married in the land of Ing at Watermark Beach Resort in Osuyas. Beachfront on Osuyas Lake, Canada's warmest lake. One stop for all your wedding dreams. Gorgeous lakefront suites at Watermark Beach Resort for you, your family, and your friends. Farm to table South Okanagan cuisine. Dining and whining, laughing and celebrating deep in wine country. <laughs> Connect today. Weddings at watermarkbeachresort.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show. In case you didn't know the words, I almost forgot them. There's been so many of them, but... Uh, Okay, it's 2020, folks. Uh, and today on the show, we are celebrating the new year. Uh, really, uh, even though it's the new year, we tend to just keep eating and uh, drinking and visiting with friends and family 
around here. And that's what we're going to do today. Uh, and we're going to start off uh, with a new cookbook. Now, I don't think there's anything tougher than writing a cookbook, but maybe it is coming up with the name of that cookbook. Living High Off the Hog, one of the best names I've heard recently for cookbooks, uh, is the book of people you're going to know from the Food Network here, Chef Michael Olson. Uh, he's going to talk to us about that. Anna Olson, his uh, wife, will join us as well. And we're going to talk about uh, food and wine and, well, just simply entertaining and fun on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Here's our New Year's flashback. Welcome to uh, Vancouver. Thank Thank you. you. Great to have you here. Uh, Is it snowing already back there? the we keep getting reports that are followed by sad, crying emojis. So, yes, <laughs> it is indeed winter. Uh, Snow in Toronto. <laughs> yeah. But there's still... Niagara. Cab, there's still Cab Franc hanging. Yeah, mm-hmm. really? it is. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's amazing. And that's it's not probably not intended. Good. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Living High Off the Hog, that's just such a fantastic name. Was that an easy uh, get or did it... How did that happen? It, the, the original title was... a look through the butcher shop window and our publisher suggested that I focus on one meat. So I had a whole barn full of puns waiting in the Uh the background. So I I went with that and I think it's more of um, an approach that Anna and I have to life. So instead of referring to choosing luxurious items or more expensive things, as the original reference was, it's the way we approach every day and it's getting the most out of everything. Yeah. If I was with her in a tent eating wieners and beans, I'd be just as happy as I am otherwise. <laughs> oh, that's so nice. <laughs> Can I still bring cookies? Yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Well, Living living High Off the Hog, I love the title and I love the book. It's a fantastic book. It is so approachable and I like how you start. Like, what is the deal with well done pork? <laughs> Did we grow up with that? I recall the screen door sla- yeah. slamming behind me, going fishing with some, I don't know, bacon or something, and my mother shouting, don't eat that or you'll die. Get worms. Get worms. Oh, get worms. Exactly. So, of course, you know, growing up where pork was treated like halfway between yeah. raw turkey and poison, yeah. you had to yes. buy it and cook it thoroughly. And the oven door would open and it would close and it would open yeah. and it would close and it's not ready, it's not ready to come out and you could chew it for like five True, days. But, I mean, th- there there was, you know, decades ago an issue with trichinosis, which yes. yeah. led people to have to thoroughly cook pork to kill any traces of that. But it, it's no longer part of Canadian pork because the feed is so regimented. Ag- agriculture has become so sophisticated and we have such an amazing clean food system in Canada that pork is entirely safe mm-hmm. and nowadays when i'm doing a lean roast like a loin roast yes. i would cook it to 145 fahrenheit let it rest for five minutes and slice it and it's delicious and do you remember when it was called the new white meat yeah yeah and i guess that was just what you're talking about how it changed and they decided to i mean pork uh especially the uppercuts are quite lean and that's why people often say gee you know i, I bought a pork roast and i it was dry well yeah because you cooked it forever in it and of course it's right out and Mm -hmm. to give you a visual cue if you cook that pork loin roast to 145 and let it rest five ten minutes when you slice into it there is no pink it is white and the juices run clear yeah but the good news is you're seeing those juices exactly even though i know that if i wanted to push it a little bit it's entirely safe there's no way in the world that i'm going to convince my mother-in-law to have a medium rare pork roast it's not going to (laughs) happen but you could 
Yeah, you could. Yeah, yes. I'll, I'll choose a different battle for today. Yes, exactly. And back to bacon. Do you have a favorite way to to cook bacon? Fully clothed. Um, <laughs> I, it, it depends on how much. So if it's a you know a few slices, it's just in a in a pan. Yes. Uh, over medium heat. However, if I had to do a lot of it, I would line a parchment, uh, like a, a parchment-lined baking tray, and cook it in the oven. And if I wanted it to, to be absolutely flat, I would cook it in between layers of parchment with another tray on top. But for the most part, I don't cook that much bacon. Yes. Um, so I, you know, if I was doing breakfast or something, I'd just do it in the skillet over medium heat. Okay. Nothing. Should, nothing complicated. Michael, where does uh, how does pork fit in the the beef, uh, chicken spectrum or today like popularity? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Politically, no, oh popularity. popularity. Yeah. Well, um, both. <laughs> pork uh, is very popular. There, there are ex- obvious exclusions if you're not a meat eater or yeah. if you live live uh, a, a faith life that says no pork allowed but mm-hmm. other than that it's I, I would say it's ubiquitous with Canadian cooking because it's available everywhere it's also very economical so to buy um, some great quality protein in the meat form pork is quite a winner and it's super versatile so when I think of you know nothing against chicken but I can say chicken can be limited because there are Wings and breasts and legs. Yes. But when it comes to pork, there are so many different cuts ranging in terms of, you know, how to approach cooking them, uh, how to flavor. They take on flavorings very well. And I actually find that it's it's an easier meat to digest, let's say, than beef. Like, I love a good beef steak. Mm-hmm. But if it's a good beef steak, it's, I almost have a hangover from it because it's, it's a little harder to digest. Like, Much if you richer. get a really nicely marbled yeah. rib steak... Nowadays, we would share one, whereas 10 years ago, I would, you know, eat mine and then bamboozle Anna with something shiny and then eat the rest of hers. So <laughs> nowadays, <laughs> we're eating less beef. Mm. But I, I, I find it's a very versatile, easy to find and easy to work with meat. And if I can tell a story on Michael's behalf, the recipes from this book, well, I have tasted every single one, <laughs> clearly, yes. because we share a household. But... <laughs> The recipes from this book, when Michael was working on it, fed an entire wine harvesting crew during, during harvest because it was when he was testing and there were only two of us at home. And so we were producing these large scale recipes and you have to, it has to go somewhere. And so it was wine harvest and Michael would make drop offs all the time to. Uh, they must have been thrilled. Yeah. No, nobody appreciates food more than. Right, people that are working a straight month of crushing, destemming, exactly. and cleaning, and you know, if you're in the wine business, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about. And I love, like, the recipes are amazing. Bacon cheddar shortbread, love that recipe. Can't wait to try it. Your bacon onion tart, uh, just the photograph is incredible. Um, and you fed, and you and Anna fed your family members who had a band called The Five-Minute Miracle. <laughs> <laughs> My nephew Curtis uh, from Saskatoon would appear, that when was that, 20 years ago? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. He traveled in a band called The Five-Minute Miracle, and this Dodge van would appear every three months or so, and these Dickens-like waifs <laughs> would emerge from this smelly van, and we would fatten them up and, and get them 
set up again because, of course, they lived on Arby's, you know, for weeks on end. And we would get them full of nutrients and then toss them back on the road. And there was one meal that we'll never forget where we had this giant feast. I took all the leftover roasts and, you know, roasted peppers and arugula and all these things, crammed it into a giant Vienna loaf similar to a muffaletta from New Orleans. Wow. And the the boys told us later that they ate it. The five guys passed it around from Fonte Hill, Ontario, all the way to the Manitoba border. <laughs> and if you don't know that drive, That's it's 24 hours drive. of driving. It is a long drive. So we, we named the sandwich in their honor. And, it, and it's, a, it's a muffaletta style that's a showstopper, and it's a, a bit of a crowd pleaser. Wow. I love the dirty lawyer ribs. <laughs> <laughs> we, we have a friend who's a very enthusiastic fan of both food and wine, and he called me up one time and he said, don't hate me, but I've just cooked ribs in my Instapot. And I just thought, oh, Ross, that and mopeds do not ever admit to your friends that you do that. Um, And so I thought, okay, let's give it a shot. So I give it a try and I realized, wow, this is a really, because to get ribs done, everybody wants to, you know, sit back in a chair with a hound dog and a bourbon or something like that. But it takes four or five hours to cook ribs properly, as the barbecue guys say. So I gave it a shot, and I was shocked at how good it turned out. Because it's 45 you, minutes in there. Yeah, 45 minutes in the pot, 40 minutes on the grill. Not even that, 20 yeah. minutes. So, you know, you can get really great ribs in just over an hour. And and my response to Ross was, I'll name, name this recipe after you. And by the way, I know why you do this. It's because you charge so much by the hour that you can't afford to pay yourself to cook ribs for four hours. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's great. Uh, well, we're almost out of time. You're very passionate about uh, food sourcing and uh, what's happening in the industry. Are you happy at the moment with what's going on in Canada and the way that we, we're yes developing no. I, that? I, I think in some ways there's an all-time uh, high in terms of interest of choosing good foods and trying to make choices ethically and in mm-hmm. a healthful way. But we're also at a time where a lot of people are ordering out more than ever. I mean, the the rumble in Toronto these days is they're saying all these new condos we're building, we're not even going to bother putting an oven in there because nobody uses it anyway. Yeah. And I, yeah. I see that as a bit of a detriment because I think that totally is. so many of the good things in life happen over discussions around the table. Yes. And, you know, it, it can be with strangers or people you don't agree with necessarily or loved ones but sharing food is not exactly a new thing and it's it's a great way mm. to to be a civilized society and i'd love to see people enjoying it and appreciating it more there's more to come this is the bc food and wine radio network presented in part by wines of british columbia at save on foods it's Jesse here from Black Hills Estate Winery, inviting you to join us this winter to experience the best that BC has to offer. Enjoy an educational seated wine flight and sample our flagship red wine, Nota Bene, while taking in the serene vineyard views. Or check out our online store for seasonal specials, new wine releases, and more. We're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m. For more information, like us on Facebook or visit blackhillswinery.com. Every once in a while, something new comes along that makes us sit up and take notice. It might be a song, an app. It could even be a new way to enjoy a special evening out. In the coming days, you'll be hearing about a stellar addition to the West Kelowna Wine Trail. Something different. 
something unique, something delicious. Keep listening for more news and remember, good things come to those who wait. And the best is yet to come. Now that the holidays are over, take a break and head for Tin Horn Creek. It's a beautiful time of year to visit without the crowds of summer around. Their tasting room is open daily from 10 till 4 for a stress-relieving wine escape. Plus, pick up your 2020 Canadian Concert Series Early Bird Passes online now and get all four concerts for the price of three. Warm summer nights, live outdoor music, and Tin Horn. Does it get much better? For full details and event information, visit tinhorn.com. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, everyone, and welcome uh, back to the show. Uh, we are home for the holidays, uh, uh, as that music suggests. We are laid back and enjoying a bit of time off and today we'd like you to listen to some of our best shows uh, of the year this one i think may be one of the best interviews ever done on our show it involves gina gallo and her husband jean charles boisset of course gina the head of the gallo family and jean charles boisset the head of the boisset uh, group living together in napa believe me there was a dull moment in any part of this interview they are as entertaining as it gets Here's what they said to us about the state of wine in California. Where did you guys meet? That's what I'd like to know. I, I've never heard that story. In a massage parlor. Yeah. Gina was pole dancing. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. I, I Pull that back, I, right? I, I, somehow <laughs> no. I doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> On neutral grounds. It was in Bordeaux at oh, an expo. Okay. Really? Wow. Not in Burgundy and not in California. Yeah. And how, how did your family feel about you marrying the competition? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good question. Uh, you, know, you know what is amazing, though, Tony? Love at first sight. Yeah. We've known each other for a long time. Yes. Charming by the world. I saw Gina's beautiful blue eyes. And, that and was my it. life virtually stopped. Wow. And suddenly, you know, the ocean of America was open. Oh, my goodness. And a kiss followed. And then it was a French kiss, and yeah. then the birth of our twins, thanks to Canadian soul, and that yeah. was it. Wow. Powerful. That's yes. very powerful. Yeah. And I was a little scared, honestly, as being from California and a lady and French, yeah. and it's like, oh, my goodness. I know. Well, like it's amazing that he left France for you. Well, I don't know. Did you? Well, in, so. many <laughs> ways, in many ways, I did, because we were so passionate with one another, and the big coincidence is I was looking into buying a vineyard adjacent to Gina's phenomenal Laguna Ranch, you know, in the Russian River. And yes. successfully bought it in 2003, Deloach Estate. And adjacent to our vineyard on the estate of Deloach is Gina. Mm -hmm. So we met virtually. At the fence post. At the fence. We kissed <laughs> at the fence. I passed the fence. I stole her shoe, put it in a tree. Yeah. And I beg for another kiss so that she could hit her shoe again. <laughs> right? Exactly. That oh is a, my that, that's a true story. I that's cannot a true believe story. that. Wow. That's is, a first. Uh, we love that. A kiss. Today. Oh, my God. <laughs> that's a first. Yeah. But yeah. That is so great. So great. I'm touching her beautiful legs. I'm I not, hope you see. I, I'm not even sure what we're going to talk about now, but uh, like, what, what else matters, right? so great to be in love 
So you want a juicy story, Tony, because oh I do. That's what you just, asked. Just before you do, so people know who you are, Jean-Charles Boisset and Gina Gallo are our guests. Uh, let's have a juicy story. <laughs> yes. So 2003, after visiting that vineyard, Gina very kindly says, Jean-Charles, come to my house. I'd uh-huh. love to invite you for dinner. With, you know. So I'm thinking there's a lot of people. So I bring literally a case of wine. I'm arriving at Gina's beautiful house. I give 15 minutes to French quarter of yes, an hour exactly. of politeness and I arrive and there's all those wines open in the kitchen. Gina is cooking. She looks sexy. Her beautiful eyes are, you know, hitting the beautiful sun. I mean, it's a perfect night. And I say to Gina, you know, I brought three or four bottles of wine. Is it going to be enough for all those guests? There's all those bottles of wine. And she yeah. says, it's only mm. going to be you and I tonight. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, in life, she opened every single burgundy that she thought would be interesting to taste together, mm-hmm. her Russian River wine. And it was one of the most amazing nights. So you know what I made sure I did that night? Mm. I drank so much I couldn't drive. Yeah, so you had, I had to, stay to stay over. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> Tell so, us what so uh, much surprising wine would be that you two would have in your cellar. We have um, a lot mm. of Franco-American. You know, we really love the idea of comparing, contrasting, and really diving into it. So within that, in our wedding in 2009, we had the idea that it was great, two families getting together, small groups. We said, let's blend our two most extraordinary vineyards that we want as an explosion in the glass for our guests. So we made a wine together called Number Three. And that was my dream that I was trying to achieve for seven years already and failing. <laughs> it took Gina in 2009 for our wedding to create the JCB number three, which is one plus one, yeah. obviously equals three. And why it's so cool is we took Burgundy, Côte de Nuit, Nuit Saint-Georges, Premier Cru, Chambol Musigny, Premier Cru, and Gevray Chambertin, Premier Cru. So feminine, masculine, and the lace in between. And Gina will tell you what she took, and we blended them together. Wow. And then our uh, wonderful Two Rock Vineyard in the Sonoma Coast and um, Laguna, the Russian River. So two of our wonderful family estates, and we did a blend, which is... Wow. I loved it. And the, and the amazing thing was, this has always been a dream of mine, to be to be able to bring the best of the best together, even yeah. if they're from different worlds. And jean Charles, very similar, which was interesting. And really, for Burgundians, it's obviously sacrilegious. Oh, of course. You know, for, it's the, it's for the Americans, guillotine. Yeah, yes. the guillotine. And, and yeah. that's, that's what it's I love. It's the guillotine. Yeah. <laughs> the Americans, it's, it's not per se. And he tastes it on different uh, wine writers and things like that. It's, it's really fun. It's wow. very it's, progressive. It's amazing because... So that's one of our favorites because it's emotional. Yes. And wine's about emotion. Wine is about feeling. Wine is about memories. Wine is right. about thoughts. And, and I would say, we were just speaking earlier about... Ocean separates us, but wines brings us together. What I must confess, and you know my love of Canada as well, the flamboyance of the Russian River, of the Pinot of California, the exuberance, Mm -hmm. and the earthiness and the terroir, and the balance of what Burgundy brings is amazing. So I'm going to ask you both a question. Who do you think was on top? (laughs) 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 Who had a biggest percentage of the other? You, I'm glad you lengthened that out, that question. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Well, I know you're perverted mind. Yes, thanks yes, so much. Yes, right. We're going to run out of time. We should maybe talk a bit about these wines. Uh, Just, but uh, before we do that, 
you live in a very historic home from that the Mondavis were in. Well, the Mondavi are important, of course, and we knew Margaret and Bob, specifically Gina knew Bob, I knew Margaret very well, really orchestrated the sale to us. And she thought we, would, we should be the couple having it. But what is more important, even, is the sense of place, the terroir. Yes. Why that home is unique, it's a hill, it's the highest hill on the valley floor, owned historically by the Wapo Indians, you know, the Native Americans, yes. who really created that telluric, cosmic, high-energy sense of place. You come up to that hill, and certainly you have shivers of excitement. And I think this is why the place is so special, and why the place with our family is so unique. It, it has magnetic energy. And twin daughters, seven years old. Yes. Your life is perfect. Well... <laughs> <laughs> no life is perfect. You know that, Casey. <laughs> but we're trying to achieve a great balance, and we love what we do. We're passionate about wine. We're passionate about food. We're passionate about bringing people together and um, lifestyle and telling stories. Mm-hmm. What you two do extremely well. You share the goods around. Tell us a story about these wines, because you are okay. you are a Chardonnay Pinot guy when you grew up in France. You know Chardonnay and Pinot. And when we have a Cabernet, you know nothing about, but you're making it. <laughs> so right. tell us quickly about these Gina, wines. Uh, Gina, you. you make this, uh, you work with this collection. So, yeah, so I have the, um, I'm showcasing um, the Gina at the Gallo Festival. Chardonnay. Signature Series um, Gallo Chardonnay. And what's special about this wine, it's from our Laguna Vineyard. And all the Signature Series, the wines that I create are estate grown sustainably yes Mm -hmm. where we kiss this is true Mm -hmm. and um this this vineyard my grandfather julio purchased in 1977 um when restroom river wasn't an appellation so definitely forward thinking and today even with really venturing out in different areas in um california i still am creating the best chardonnay from this particular vineyard laguna he gained he gained his confidence by the apples the gravestine apples that were planted there and he would pick those apples, and my grandmother would make apple pie back in, like, the 60s, even the 50s. Crisp, focused, nutmeg, spicy. Yep. And he said, someday, that will make great, great Chardonnay. Yeah. So he had the guts to buy it, and now today, I mean, I'm fortunate as a winemaker to be able to work with this uh, vineyard. Yeah, and the Pinot. We have the Pinot? Pinot as well. Oh, so we have a Pinot. What I love about Pinot is I love to cook, and Pinot Noir, for me, is all about clones. Um, you can have a small block in, the back, in your backyard and have all these different clones, but every clone tastes different, and it's amazing. I don't think any of the other varietals are as uh, affected or in, intrigued by it. It's like the mother vine that yeah. really makes it sprout. So the Pinot Noir, Santa Lucia, wonderful area. And then I love it because I, when I said I like to cook, it's blending all the Dijon clones and some of the um, California clones, and you really express what you want to put your fingerprint on, mm. whether it be the dark fruit, the blueberry, the spice, the uh, earthy characters. Pinot Noir, for me, I was very inspired by Burgundy. A lot of my learnings as winemaking was, came from uh, the old world, yeah. definitely the old world, the culture, what they were eating, what they were doing. And then in California, obviously, it's a free world as far as what you want to put and plant, but you have to have that respect of putting the right thing in the right place. And John Charles, you brought a Cabernet, so you decided to come and not make Pinot and Chardonnay. Well, <laughs> I mean, why would you do it, right? Well, in your company, I wanted to try something very different, yeah. which is great. So Raymond Vineyards, five generation of winemakers. We bought the winery in 2010, fell in love with it, American classic, 
fully organic, biodynamically certified. This is the heart of Napa. So we in San Lina, Rutherford. And this is a wine which I'm a fanatic of for the simple reason that the oak regime is very well managed. So it's soft, it's elegant. The label is velvet. As you touch it, yeah. you know, you dream. And whether you want to open the bottle or not, you just touch it and you already mm. feel the taste of the wines. And that's the idea, is really to make Napa this new place. Forget about big tannins, forget about high alcohol. Make wine that you want to drink, you want to enjoy, that is sophisticated, yes. refined, palatable, and goes so well with food. Thanks so much for your time. I know everybody wants to talk to you. Thanks for coming by and <laughs> chatting with us. And giving us some great stories about wine, because after all, if we don't tell stories, there's no point in selling wine, I think. Well, you are saying the best stories to both of you, and we're so honored, thrilled. We're going to keep this interview for our daughters for the future. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, they'll know the real story. It's going to go in. <laughs> sort of. Yes. Whether Thanks so much. Whether we're conceived. Thanks. Gina Gallo, Jean-Charles Boisset, just a delight to have you on, uh, on the show. Please come back the next time you're in Vancouver. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. We're out of here. We have to go to break. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food and Wine Radio Network, presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. The BC wine industry is all about people. People crafting products with passion. Save on Foods is proud to support our local wine industry by carrying the world's largest selection of BC VQA wines from producers all across our province. That's over 1,200 labels from more than 160 vineyards. Plus, there are new ones added all the time. Wines of British Columbia at select Save on Foods locations. For special offers in-store and online, visit saveonfoods.com wine. Hi, this is Duncan from Hillside Winery and Bistro. I invite you to experience the finest that Naramata Bench has to offer. Terroir-to-table cuisine, handcrafted wines made exclusively from Naramata-grown grapes. Delight your senses as you sit back, slow down, and savor our locally inspired food and wine. Enjoy a fresh take on dining with the Bistro's new shared plate menu. Come discover and taste the difference at Hillside Winery and Bistro, located in the heart of the Naramata Bench, just minutes from Penticton. Culmina Family Estate Winery reminds you that it's time to join the 2019 Fellowship and reap the rewards. Culmina's Fellowship not only brings people together through their love of Culmina wines, it also features exclusive benefits only available to members like access to the number series, Culmina's small lot program, as well as unreleased library and rare wines from their portfolio. For details, visit culmina.ca. Culmina Family Estate Winery, creating wines of excellence through the blending of art and science. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. Uh, you know, it's that special time of the year after the celebrations of New Year's, and uh, we picked out some of our favorite discussions to help celebrate the season. In this conversation from last year's Wine Festival, we caught up with Austin Hope. He's the president and winemaker of Hope Family Wines in Paso Robles, California. Let's start with Paso Robles. Where is it? Tell the people where it is. Tell them to come and see you. you got to come see me. It's the most magical place on earth, actually. It's, uh, we've, there's unicorns everywhere. <laughs> 
Actually, uh, we had a leprechaun sighting last week as well, so it's pretty amazing. Um, <laughs> we actually uh, we're located uh, in the cent- what we call the Central Coast, uh, more Central California. So we're about uh, three hours south of us is Los Angeles, three hours north is San Francisco, okay. and we're about twenty miles inland from the Pacific Ocean. It's a great place. Uh, I. I love it because my recollections of Paso Robles are these warm days and these cold nights. Yeah, it's amazing. We have this, the, the diurnal swing in Paso is very, very unique, and it's one of the amazing things that actually helps us make such amazing wines in Paso. Well, uh, you've been there. It's uh, You guys have both been there, actually. Mm-hmm. You were telling me that you found a lingerie shop that you love there. I know. My favorite lingerie <laughs> shop in the U.S. And I remember. What the hotel? I think it was Chevelle or oh, something. Oh, great hotel yeah. with the fireplaces. Fires. Fireplaces, exactly. Amazing. Right downtown. Outside, our little people excellent. sitting at them. Great. So, yeah, it would be, you know, 95 to 100 degrees Fahrenheit in uh, in our summertime when we're our growing season. And then we'll drop down to 50 degrees at, at, by morning, which is crazy. 50 degree swing. So, family winery, uh, you guys have done a bunch of different things, and you've branched out a bit, and, and uh, we see a number of different lines in Canada now, not all under the same name, but the same family. Yep. So, uh, Hope Family Wines is what we are. If you want to find us or find more about us, hopefamilywines.com is where you can you can uh, track us down. And um, we actually, my, my father was one of the pioneers in, in grape growing. He moved there. My mom and him moved in 1978. I was a small boy. They loaded up and left Bakersfield, uh, Bakersfield, California, moved over there and planted um, apples. Good move. Yeah, exactly. Great move, right? <laughs> yeah. Moved over, planted apples and grapes. Quickly learned that apples were not the right thing to grow. And we were farmers. We were so, and then he moved into, he was one of the pioneers to uh, actually establish the first uh, AVA of Paso Robles in 1983. And then I grew up in the business, hoed weeds quite often because um, I was always in trouble, which is named after one of our brands called Troublemaker. So yeah. I was constantly being punished in the vineyards, uh, <laughs> sent out to hoe weeds. And, and interestingly enough, I loved it. <laughs> so I just fell in love with it. And uh, you, you were the original biodynamic farmer then. Yeah, then, exactly. Weeds. Yeah. exactly. So was your dad a farmer? Did he grow up on a farm? He didn't grow up on a farm, actually. Um, he, he was working for my grandfather in the Central Valley of, of Bakersfield, California. My grandfather was an immigrant from Texas during the, the Dust Bowl era and trying to find find life and, and do something. And he started working in uh, for a little distributor there, selling Colt 45, Falstaff beer, uh, huh. some of the jug wines from Italy. And, yeah. and he worked for him for a bit. The guy wanted to retire, and, and my grandfather saved up enough money and um, ended up buying the distributor. And then he was a very persistent man and kept going to um, – Colorado every year and knocking on Adolf's door and said, I want to sell Coors beer. I want to sell Coors beer every year, every year. And then finally Adolf says, okay, fine, you can have it, but uh, only from uh, Bakersfield to Barstow. <laughs> and and my, my grandfather quickly, by the time he passed away, was selling five, five million cases of Coors in, this, in that small territory. Wow. So he passed on uh, fairly you know, younger than we'd hoped, and uh, my dad wasn't in a position to, to run a beer distributorship. And, and distributors weren't like they were today, right? Yeah. Back, back then, they, it wasn't the, the profit that there is today. So it was sold to the general manager, and he went to <clears> – <throat> but my grandfather did farm over there. That was My dad did see some of that in the Central Valley. He went to, and asked uh, – my grandfather's best friend, he says, what should we do? Mm-hmm. He says, move to Paso Robles, mm-hmm. just like that. And so when we got there, this the lay of the land. There was um, basically a handful of um, rolling almond hills and, and uh, wheat, barley, and some cattle, and then a speckling of, of grapevines. What's interesting, our first vineyard we planted, I think the closest vineyard to us was 10 miles away. And I don't think there's anywhere you can go for 10 miles in Paso today and not see a vineyard. Not see a vineyard. No. no. You brought a Cabernet today, and uh, but do we think of Paso as a Cabernet place, or is it what's growing there? That's are they equal now, or what, uh, tell us a bit about the you mix know, or the lay of the land and grapes. You know what's funny is um, 
the, I actually um, we had a phone call into wine enthusiast the other day and said uh, they, they sent out their reports on what what's drinking well and um, the years and, and varietals and so on and so mm-hmm. forth and then they put Napa's Napa's is Chardonnay and, and Cabernet, Cabernet. And then it comes to Paso and it says uh, Zinfandel. And I'm like, yeah. you know, it was always kind of, I think Zinfandel was thought of as a Paso area. Yep. But the truth be told, the highest amount of Zinfandel was in the in the mid-80s. Yeah, I guess, I guess early, early early 80s 90s. to the 90s. And, yeah. that, and it was white Zinfandel is what it was. Yeah, oh. right. So that was the boom when, when Sutter Home, you know, invented invented white Zinfandel. Yeah. And so that was really the Zinfandel was grown. And, and if you fast forward today, there's there's only, you know, there's some very legendary vineyards like the, the Ducey family that, you know, was there during pre-prohibition. Mm-hmm. Multiple generation Italian family that have really truly, you know, 50 to 100 year old old vine dry, dry farm Zinfandels. But I wouldn't say a heavily thing. So Cabernet is the number one varietal there okay. planted. For whatever reason, we've always been overshadowed, right? So when yeah. we released um, our first vintage of um, Triana... Triana Red. It was it was meant to go ahead to have with Napa Valley, and, and um, we talk about a, a difficult thing, right? And so we released the wine in 1998. It's a 40 dollar, and we call it a red table wine, and it's Cabernet and Syrah. Mm-hmm. And people look at us. Where's Paso? And yeah. you want forty dollars for red table wine? But you fast forward to today, every every wine coming out of Napa is a red table wine, and it's two hundred dollars plus. So, yeah, yes, you know, right. we were a little ahead of our so time. So you led the way. Yeah. yeah. But to answer your question, yes, we're we're very much a Bordeaux variety dominant. Cabernet is the number one planted variety there. But we also got um, a lot of notoriety for the Rhones, right? So there's, yeah. there's, yes, and you know, which leads to the conversation we were talking earlier about the diversity of the region and the and the sub ABAs. Because myself and a handful of other vintners led the charge to create sub ABAs within Paso, and mm-hmm. we finally got that passed in 2007. Um, so now we have 11 sub ABAs. But the point of it is, we can grow a Syrah that tastes like a northern Cote Rotis Syrah on the western side of Paso in the Templeton Gap district. Yeah. Where, then it's, we can, where it's cold or cooler. It's cooler, cooler yeah. climate. And then we can go east, you know, 10, 15 miles, say out past the into the Highlands District, and we can grow a, a Shiraz-style wine, you know, bubblegum, yes. blueberry, bright fruit, lower tannin. Cabernet, we can grow right bank Cabernet, we can grow left bank Cabernet. I mean, it's, so it's a very diverse region. It's, it's pretty, pretty amazing. So uh, you brought the Austin Hope 2016 Paso Robles Cab with you here, which I'm going to try right now, but tell us a little bit about this wine. So this wine is, um, uh, we, we spent seven years, I spent seven years developing this brand, and, and the reason we did is because the, we always try and set lofty goals. So we wanted it to be the standard for, for a luxury uh, luxury Cabernet and Paso Robles, the benchmark. One thing we really tried to achieve was to make, you know, sometimes tannins, tannins are too aggressive in Cabernet, and, and for, I think, to, you know, the last 10 years, it's always been this, like, it's a contest, see how, how big and drying and massive you can make a Cabernet. Yeah. And, you know, it's like, a, I don't know, it's like a bodybuilding competition or yeah. something. And I've never really got it. And nobody yeah. can really enjoy them. You, no. you taste it, and you're like, wow, that's crazy. Look how big that is. But you can't enjoy it. Your mouth's still dry after two or three sips. It's, it's yeah, not, didn't it, someone say yesterday it's like smoking a joint when your mouth gets all dry? Yeah, that might have been me. <laughs> was that you? It was yeah. me. Oh, I'm so impressed. But, that's great. By, by the way, let me interrupt you for one second, because many of our listeners will know Liberty School, Cabernet Sauvignon, which yep. uh, is a brand you made famous here. So, exactly. And this is... Uh, a big step above that, but uh, it's a different style, right? So. Yes, correct. So the point was this: was we wanted to make the tannins as uh, as analytically as high as possible, but we wanted to make them supple and not drying. So I spent seven years developing vineyards, uh, getting the right ones, the right places, um, and so we sourced it through five different sub ABAs. We blended it together to show the diversity of the of flavor compounds, and we released the first vintage in uh, 2015 and had uh, tremendous success. And um, I really believe that there was a market that consumers. You know, Cabernet's king. Consumers want to drink Cabernet. Why can't we have a nice supple one that's rich and textural yes. and, and not drying? So what's your favorite thing to eat with this? 
That's the other beauty, right? Because you can't, you, you didn't used to be able to drink Cabernets exactly. by themselves. And that's, we, I wanted to be able to enjoy this wine as we're just stand, sitting here talking mm-hmm. or, or with food. Um, and I think due to the fact that it is not a drying, a drying Cabernet, it crosses over everything, right? I mean, you, yeah. can, you can eat it with salmon with like a, 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 a balsamic reduction sauce, right? Yeah. It'll still work. I thought you might ask me what I'd like to I, have. I was going to ask you, but I just Be- I feel like I'm under a fire drill, right? you got to go so fast to talk yeah, about exactly. it. Exactly. Can you be- tell me what would you eat with this? Yeah, just before you do, Austin Hope is our guest. He's from Paso Robles, Austin Hope Family Wines, and we're tasting his Cabernet Sauvignon. Good I'd like to know what you have in your cellar that would surprise us. Something that surprised us. Uh, well, I have a very cool cellar that is um, actually built out of my wedding tree that I got married under, and that's another story. And I actually made wines for our wedding, and we still have them in there. I took a picture of my wife naked um, against, <laughs> against the wall, and then I uh, I took it and I, I traced it, and then I put like feathers coming off of it, so you can't really tell it's her or anything like that, right? Yeah. And then made right. a label and put it on the bottle, and and she likes white wines a very particular style, and she likes uh, red wines a very particular style, so. So I created both of what I thought she would like and then bottled them and, and then um, everybody looking like, wow, that's just an amazing label. And I'm like, hey, that's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Well, we had Gina Gallo and JC on and uh, he actually, uh, they made a wine, but on their first date, he put a shoe in the tree, her shoe in a tree. That's cool. Can you match that? I can match that, actually. We got married on our property under, under, a, under a massive oak tree that has been struck by lightning three times. First time it hit, it would, uh, knocked a couple branches off. Second time it hit, it knocked a whole arm off of it. So then there was just one arm left. We got married under that tree. Uh, about three summers ago, we had a, four summers ago, we had a summer storm come through. Knocked down the other part of it, light the tree on fire. Everybody's like, That's "Oh it. man, this is crazy! It's over." And I'm like, "Okay." So I go out there, try to be, you know, try and be Smokey the Bear and firefight it out. We put water. I had water truck after water truck. Kept trying to put it out. I'm like, "Well, you know, we've not, there's nothing there but a massive, massive stump. But maybe something will branch off and grow again." I couldn't get the fire out. So and and it went for weeks and weeks. And I thought I had it out. Went on a trip. I get a phone call. Hey, the tree's back on fire. We had winds come through. So it burned up. It finally, it became a hazard. We were worried about it. So we knocked it down. My wife's like, this is it. I'm like, what do you mean this is it? Is we're getting divorced now because our tree fell down? Is that what's happening? <laughs> so we knocked it down. And I, we were in the, in, in the middle of constructing our home. My uh, contractor came to me, actually. And I, and I said, no, I said, we're taking this tree down. You take it. And I want you to plank it and make planks out of it. And I'll figure out what to do with it. So he... Um, I said, well, I'm going to make some desks, and then we use some in our bathrooms where the sinks sit on, and so they're scattered throughout the house with desks and so on. And then he comes to me, and we put a little cellar in the house, and he says, what if I made wine racks out of those planks? And so in our wine rack, when you walk in, there's three massive 12, 15-foot-long, like three, four-foot-wide planks, and we put little aluminum rods into it. And so there it is right there in wow. our home so we can see it every day. Fantastic yep. story. Austin, we're done. We're done. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, we were like cut off. Like, where'd you yeah. cut me off at? That's it. <laughs> I don't know. I might have to go back in and cut you off. But anyway, people should go down to Paso Robles. Skip Napa, skip Sonoma, go somewhere else. Check I agree. Yeah. Paso's the place to be. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. Thank you. You're on the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. I'm Tony Gismondi. I'm Casey Wilson. We'll be right back. There's more to come. This is the BC Food & Wine Radio Network. The upper bench of BC's Similkameen Valley. For those in the know, it's a special place that's the source of some of Canada's best wines. And it's here, nestled in a sun-laden, stony corner of the mountains, you'll find Clodisole Winery. Surrounded by an idyllic organic vineyard using natural ferments and small artisanal winemaking, they produce elegant and age-worthy wines that reflect the unique land. You can find Clotus Olay wines in fine wine shops and restaurants across the province or order online at clodisolay.ca. 
Dine Out Vancouver, a haven for culinary enthusiasts from around the globe. And the Westin Bayshore Vancouver is the proud sponsor of its annual Vancouver World Chef Exchange, where five up-and-coming chefs from around the globe step into the kitchen to cook up a storm in a Dine Out Vancouver collaboration. Book your stay at the Westin Bayshore Vancouver and receive special pricing, including dinner for two at any of Vancouver's exceptional restaurants. Details and reservations at dineoutvancouver.com slash hotel. Have the extraordinary organic wines of Summerhill Pyramid Winery in the pristine Okanagan Valley delivered to your door. When you become an organic ambassador, a portion of every purchase you make at Summerhill goes back into your account, which you can use towards future purchases anytime. Share the love with your friends to earn even more credits. Find out more about Summerhill Pyramid Winery's organic ambassador program and order online by visiting summerhill.bc.ca. Now back to BC Food and Wine Radio. Here's Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson. Hello, everyone. I'm Tony Gismondi with Casey Wilson. Uh, today on the show, it's a happy new year from the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Uh, we are uh, home for the holidays, but we're uh, preparing already for the upcoming uh, wine festival in the uh, convention center downtown, the 2020 Vancouver National Wine Festival will soon be upon us. France is the theme region, and uh, we thought we'd go back and listen to a chat we had with Francois Maton. He's from Chateau Minuti. He's returning this year and will be part of the theme region of France. He brought uh, one of the most delicious rosés in the room last year. Rosé is a feature this year. There'll be over 200 different rosés in the room, and I'm guessing that... Uh, well, they'll all be good. Will they be as good as Minuti? Let's find out. And you brought my favorite color wine. No, looky. A wine with no color. I love yeah. it. No, it's not real color. Yeah. Well, it has a little color. It's so complicated to get this color, yeah. my friend. That's, I know that's the it most is. complicated to get. Yes. I know. And you know what they say? You can never be too skinny or have too little color. Exactly. In your, in your uh, rosé. Exactly. Plus, it's a very sexy bottle. Yes, let's speak about this bottle. Yes. So let me introduce myself. Yeah, so, please do for our listeners. Yes, hello everyone. My, my name is Francois, Francois Maton. I am the owner of Chateau Minuti. So Minuti is situated, as you said, in Provence, in a beautiful place, which is the peninsula of Saint-Tropez. Uh-huh. That a lot of people know already because of the place, because of the fisherman village. Because of Bridget Bardot. Because of Bridget Bardot. and. Yeah. And because of Bridget Bardot. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And not because of the Provence Rosé. Yeah. So uh, one of the things I'm the most proud about my story is that it's a family story. Everything started for us in 1936. Mm-hmm. And in 1936, Bridget yeah. Bardot was not there, my no, friend. No, no. <laughs> in fact, it, so it was not because... There was probably more Germans than Bridget Bardot Exactly. There. It was not because yeah. of Bridget Bardot, but because of the area. Yeah. Uh, that we uh, were in love. My grandfather was in love about the area. And uh, we decided to make the main business for us in 1960 with my mother and father. Yep. And that's why we come, because we have a, pro- we have a bottle. This bottle is designed, it's a Provence-shaped bottle. And this bottle is designed by, uh, was designed by my mother 
in 1960. Wow. And so it's not even a new bottle. No, it's not even a new bottle. It's a 1960 bottle. Wow. I love the shape. It, of it's it. a Provence Gorgeous. shape. Yeah. And I will tell you why you, it looks new for you. Because we were the first to do it, and now we are the last one. And uh -huh. I love the idea that we were the one we designed this bottle, that everyone took this bottle, and that's why the, pro the shape of this bottle is the Provence shape. Yeah. Yes. But at the end, 80, uh, four, 50 years after, we are the last one. Mm -hmm. And do you know why we she designed this bottle, which is like, I would say, a sexy bottle? Yeah. Yes. It's higher than the others. Yes. Yeah. Because in 1960, it was complicated to have clear color. Okay. So my mother thought, if the bottle is higher, yes. the density will be lower, yeah. so the color will, will look be, yeah. lighter. Ah. So that's why... Good thinking by mom. Yes. So it's a sexy bottle, but it's yeah. also a very clever bottle. It is. Yeah, and it looks like you can grab it too easily. Exactly. It's got, uh, it's got that little indentation that's just perfect for your hand. And the second thing is like, like the name, Minucci. Yeah. It's very easy to remember. So yeah. this bottle, this look, this shape is also very easy to remember. And a fantastic label. Exactly. Yeah. Not too very much on simple. there. Just simple like the, the label like the wine. And the name. We like the simplicity. A simplicity and elegance is the most important for us. Yeah. And this is, and you, you are always in when you are simple and elegant. Yeah. Uh, I've been reading some stories about Provence and people saying, hey, is it over? Because there's so much of this craziness about rosé. But yes. I don't believe that. But wh what do you think about this? You're so popular now. Are you too okay. popular or not too popular? Can you never be too popular? I will explain you one thing. <laughs> okay. I started for myself 25 years ago. So I started in 1990. And when I started, Anthony, the people asked me to taste my little rosé. Mm -hmm. They always put the word little. My little rosé. With the, the, my wine. And, you know, I, I lived with that for 15 years. Can I try your little rosé? Can I try your little rosé? Yeah. And the people said, as you said, but it was a joke. It's yeah. not a color. Yeah. There, was only, there was only two colors in the wine business. Yeah. The red and the wine. Yeah. Yes. White. And then yeah. you have the little rosé for the summer, for the barbecue, for yeah. the, you know. Yeah. Then, let's say 15 years ago, in uh, 2000, 2005, things changed. And they said to me, could I taste your rosé? Huh? Where uh -huh. is the word little? Yeah. The, li the word little disappeared. Uh -huh. Wow, something changed. Then, for the last five years, they asked me to taste my minuti. Oh, wow. So, I would say that I'm proud of this evolution. Yeah. We are one because we are the leader of the category in France from Provence, Rosé. So we are one of the most active members to move the uh, appreciation of our color, of our wines. So I'm very proud. But in the other way, I don't forget where I come from. Mm -hmm. I come from the little Rosé. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, do you refer to it as M? Like I see the M on the label. Is that doesn't, does that refer to the Rosé? No. The Minuti M or not? No, no, no. The it's M just is... Okay, because we have four ranges of rosé. Mm -hmm. M, Prestige, I see. Or Rosé and Or, and 281. But all of them are linked to the estate. Mm -hmm. So for us, it was important to say, at the beginning, at the right beginning, it was the, the M for moment. 
Yeah. Because it was oh. a moment of unity. Okay. Uh-huh. And then, because everyone said, could I try it? Could I try your mom? M, 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 M. So we said, okay, it's okay. M of Minuti. Our guest is Francois Metton. He's uh, the owner of Chateau Minuti, which is just a, it's a sensational shaped bottle. Thank you. Uh, and, and the wine. We're tasting the 20, is the it 18? Or 20, 2018. 2018. And, and by the way, it's $25 in British Columbia. Exactly. Which is a great price. Mm. The wine is delicious. I've already yeah. just tried it. Yes. It's a we, little bit of nothing, which is everything I want. Maybe you know what I mean? And that's why, that's exactly the perfect definition of my, of this category. This yeah. is the first price. Yeah. This is the first uh, quality of my range. And this is exactly what I think. This is the one you drink all day long without thinking that you are drinking a wine, but you are drinking something good. Yeah. Yes. It's a pleasure wine. It's so it's delicious. A, it's a very well balanced with yeah. a nice acidity, yeah. beautiful fruit. Yeah. And that's why no sugar, no sugar, no alcohol, so, yep. low alcohol because it's twelve and a half. Yeah, and dry, and yeah. that's why the rosé are so popular. Mouth watering, yeah. exactly. And I'm thinking about hundreds of foods. Yes, uh, everything. <laughs> it's what wouldn't it go with? I would say everything except red meat. Yes. Yeah. Everything except red meat. Except, but in a pasture, summertime. <laughs> Even with a red meat yeah. and, I would drink and barbecue, and, I would drink rosé. Well, I'm telling you, if Bridget Bardot was having a steak, I'd still, I'd say, okay, hey, let's I'm, go. I'm let's sure try the rosé. But try the pairing, you know, with salads, with veget- with uh, seafood. Yeah, That's working very well with seafood. Yeah, That's working very well, especially here, with Asian food. Yeah, of course. Remember that uh, this was a wine is pairing with the was made for to pair with the pro, the the Provence food. Mm-hmm. Provence food is very spicy because yeah. we use a lot of ba- garlic, a lot of basil. Yeah. So at the end, this wine, trust me, is pairing so well with the Asian food. Yeah. What about temperature? What would you tell people about temperature? Don't like do white. white. Yeah. Like refresh. Don't worry fresh. too much. Just no. get it. Just chill it down and chill it down, and it's okay. Yeah. And not too much chill. And I would say when it's so warm, not like today, but yeah. when it's very warm, I I am okay to put to add some ice cube on it. Yeah. In the glass. Yes, my friend. I love to do that. Yes. Yeah. It freaks people out. Because you drink your rosé chill. Yes. And you drink your wine as you want. Oh, yes, boy. I agree and that's with very you. important. Are you French? I am a little bit French. Wow. <laughs> that's unbelievable. I love I love that you would say that. And you know, fantastic. I, w- I would say something also good for you. Yeah. If I am here today, yeah. it's with the 2018 vintage. That means that the the beautiful the way the spring and the summer season is coming. It's coming. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So we are very. You're lucky. the harbinger of spring then. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're the Robin of uh, the wine business. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> are you having fun in Vancouver? Uh, f- f- first time. Yeah. First time. Yeah. Yes. Arrived yesterday night. A Vancouver virgin. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. We always say on the show that rosé is for women and smart men. I totally, I fully agree with that. Fully, fully agree with that. Does that mean all women are smart, Casey? Is that what you're? Is yes, that what it you're does. That means that we are both smart. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, it's beautiful. Just uh, gorgeous. 
this is fantastic. There's always somebody I meet every year at the show that I don't know, and I think, oh, my God, I want to go and visit that winery right away. And uh, the, it's so nice to meet you. And there are there are worse places in the world than to visit Saint-Tropez. Yeah. <laughs> Trust I'm, me. I'm going to try and swamp your booth in the next two nights. I'm going to send everybody over there to taste this wine. Will you look after them? Yes. Yeah, okay. And you, and you, and you, when you drink this, you understand why we are Provence so popular and why we are so successful. Yeah. Thanks so much. But it took for us eight years. Yes. Because it's an 80 years uh, story. Yeah. Well, maybe there'll be another 80 years. Uh, I hope so. We have kids. We have a fourth uh, generation who will be ready. I'm not too old, but uh, the fourth generation will be ready. Francois Matin, Chateau Minuti, remember that name. Incredible rosé. The 2018 Minuti M is in the market now. 25 bucks a bottle in private wine shops. That's it for today's show. Tune in again next week for Anthony Gismondi and Casey Wilson on the BC Food and Wine Radio Network. Presented in part by Wines of British Columbia at Savon Foods. BC Food and Wine Radio is a TKS West production. Executive producer, Casey Wilson.